Pooh. Short Trips. A Full Life by Joseph Lidster. Read by Matthew Waterhouse. I suppose my earliest memory was that poem. We all had to learn it, you see. When mistfall comes, the sun is swallowed whole. By skyborn darkness, the world turns to coal. I don't really remember my parents. I know they were called Morel and Tanisa, and I know they died. It was a fire, but I was so young I only know these things because I was taught them. I don't feel particularly sad because Morel and Tanissa are just names, just names, not memories. And I had my brother, Varsh, my older brother, my hero. And I had some friends, uh, Gianna and... ...in the elite because I was clever. Very clever. I learned everything. I knew everything. And I don't know if it was despite me knowing everything or because I knew everything, but I hated it. I didn't want to be one of the elite. I wanted to be like Varsh. And so, one day, I snuck out. The cylinder was running out and the marshmen were coming. He told me to go. I got another cylinder and I went running back and... But... It had him. The marshman had him and the door was closing and I had his hand. I was holding his hand, but I couldn't save him. Varsh died. My brother... ...didn't want to stay behind. How could I? You only had to look at the doctor and Ramana to know there was more out there. I was bored of the elite. I was bored of river fruit. I was so bored of that damn poem. I was bored of being taught things. And Varsh was gone. My brother, my hero, was gone. What was keeping me there? <laughs> oh, I loved K9, but he was so easy to outsmart. So I left the TARDIS, and it was a new world with new rules, but it was dangerous. I saw them age and die right in front of me. Vampires. The villagers, the vampires as well, when I think about it, they'd all been trapped, but it was over. It was finally over. It was in that cell, I think, that I think Romana finally started to like me. She told me everything was going to be all right, and I said the same back to her. I imagine I sounded more confident than I felt. But there, on Leptris, I realised that this was the longest conversation we had ever Nine days we'd been there. Nine days trapped in this... Well, we called it the structure... We had to stay, but it was just like everywhere else. Trapped. Isolated. The doctor had told me about his universe, and it sounded so... so huge. Everything and everyone was different and... and colourful. Not just 
brown and green and grey. And yet we were stuck there. Spent months trying to find a CVE, trying to find a way out of eSpace. Romana and... It had been hard at first. She was scared about going back to her own world, and then suddenly there was me, the stowaway. And, to be honest, <laughs> I was hard work. I was this teenager. didn't want to change. They were happy, trapped in this never-ending cycle of hate. He was my new hero. The way he changed things, for the better, I mean. He, he saved lives and he made a difference. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to help stop people making the same mistakes over and over again. Another day, another planet, another monster. to be making the same mistakes over and over. When everything stopped. Because that's when we landed on Virin. Started to think we'd never get to this end space. But things were better. We were traveling and we were friends and we were smashing monsters and governments and the Doctor, Romana, K9, and Adric. Four friends. And I thought it would never end. But that's when it stopped. That's when everything stopped. Because that's when we landed on Viridis. Oh, can you hear that? It's funny. It was raining when we arrived. And that meant we had to leave K-9 in the TARDIS. Again. I remember Romana said something like, Oh, good, rain. And the doctor grinned and said, Oh, good, rain. Then with a loud, Ha! He jumped into a puddle, splashing water everywhere. Romana gave him a loud sigh, but I could see that her eyes were smiling. It was the last time I saw that look in her eyes. <laughs> Damn. Sorry, I, 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 I dropped my glass. I... That sound. Glass breaking. We heard it then, too. I mean... That's what usually happened. We'd leave the TARDIS and we'd get split up and chased or hunted or, or, or we'd hear the sounds of someone crying for help or something being smashed. This time, this time it was glass, the sound of glass being smashed. I started to run towards it with the doctor following, then overtaking me. He had exceedingly long legs, I remember. He grinned back at me as he ran towards the small building. Come on, Adric, he shouted, even though I was running as fast as I could. Romana, of course, was following uh, both of us at a more sedate pace. She always seemed to glide rather than run. The doctor reached the house and walked straight in with a loud, Good morning! Or afternoon! Or evening! I heard the sound of something breaking. I do hope it wasn't expensive. And just as I was taking in what was happening, the doctor was wrapping his scarf tightly around the man holding the broken glass and was wrapping his other arm around the girl who had been cowering against the wall. He had saved a life in the time it had taken me to trip over a doorstep. 
As I stood there staring, the man, his arms pinned to his sides by the doctor's scarf, screamed out that the girl was dead. She's one of them! She's dead! Now, I'm no expert, said the doctor. No, wait, I'm the doctor. I'm very much the expert. And this young lady looks very much alive to me. Romana walked, no, glided in and took the broken glass out of the man's hand. Of course, if she is dead, then I hardly think stabbing her with this would achieve anything, she said, studying the glass with a look of total dis... Sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, it's probably a bit strange that I'm trying to say exactly what they said and trying to sound like them so exactly, but it keeps them... Keeps, it keeps them in my head, you know? Up here. They're still here. Still. Romana sat the girl down, and the doctor asked the man what was going on. The man, oh, I don't remember, he was called Tebek or Gorak or something. You know the type, all beard and rags and superstition. Anyway, he told us what had been happening. He told us where we were. We were on the planet Viridis. Planet where the dead came back to life. Varsh. As soon as he said it, I thought of Varsh. Another day. Another minute, another second with him, and... And, of course, that's exactly what had happened. When a man discovered how to bring back the dead, that's what everyone had thought. Of course, you know how it goes. You learned all about it. For Viridis to stay alive and green, the dead must sleep and not be seen, etc., etc. It had all started with the death of a child, a teenager, a girl called Asen. She'd had a fight with her parents and run away from home. They found her three days later in a river. She'd fallen in, hit her head, drowned. An accident, a tragic accident, that's all it was. But Asen's grandfather, Tyvork, had been a scientist, a doctor. Before Asen's death, he'd been working on finding a cure for some disease or other. He was brilliant, apparently, a good man, a good doctor. But losing his granddaughter, he became obsessed. It should have been impossible. It is impossible. But a few days after Asen had died, her parents had gone to visit her grave, and they discovered that it was... it had been disturbed. Nobody knows how he did it. His notes, his equipment, everything has been long destroyed to stop it happening again. But that night, that night so long ago, just a few months before we arrived, Asson's parents worked out Tyvork had taken their daughter's body, so they, along with the town leaders, rushed to his laboratory. But as they arrived, as the thunder cracked and the lightning flashed, he brought Asson out into the rain. 
she was alive. She was alive. Asin was alive. Not undead, not some kind of spirit or monster. She was alive. A normal, living, breathing young woman. She stood there in the rain and hugged her parents. And everyone rejoiced. Oh, how they all rejoiced. The man told the Dr. Ramana and me all of this, and I cheered. <laughs> I punched my fist in the air, and I actually cheered. God, I was such a... Anyway, I said, surely that's a good thing. I was thinking of Vaj. I was thinking of Morel and Tanisa. I could bring my parents back. The villagers killed by the vampires. The people who had died on Balustra. Everyone could come back. The doctor gave me a small, sad smile, as if he knew exactly what I was thinking. But that's it, isn't it, Adric? he said. You want your brother back, but who's next? The man nodded like a maniac, agreeing with the doctor. That's it! That's what happened! After Assen. Well, everyone had wanted everyone back. Tyvork's process only worked on the recently dead, those whose bodies were still fresh. But there were hundreds of them. And every time somebody died, Tyvork just brought them back. He was a hero. He was a god. And of course, people still kept having children. The population of Eridis grew and grew. The dead themselves had children. Dead women giving birth. More and more. So many. The circle of life? Tyvor had smashed it. Which is when the rioting had started. There'd been fights already. But there were too many people. Not enough food. What could they do? And so people started rioting. People were killed. Those that came back from the dead were targeted and, well, to stop them being brought back again, people did things to them. Nobody would want to be brought back if they weren't in one piece. But there were always more. Tyvor just kept bringing the dead. By the time the man had finished telling us what had happened, he had calmed down. The doctor released him, and he slumped down into a chair. Romana was now comforting the girl. It's obscene, she said quietly. It turned out we were in a house some distance from the main town. The born-again girl had run away from some rioters who had wanted to, well, you know. The man had managed to avoid what was happening in the town, but he was scared, because as he told us, it was spreading. More and more people were forcing their way into Tyvork's house. People were traveling from other towns, they were traveling from all over the world, and nobody could stop it. And it won't just be this world, mused the doctor. There are worlds out there, there are people out there who would do anything for that technology. And I suppose we'll have to stop it 
said Ramana. I was quiet. I knew what they were saying was right, but... Bosh. I asked them if we had the right to stop it. I knew grief. I knew what it felt like, and I don't think the doctor or Ramana really did. Could we really stop something so beautiful from happening? Couldn't we find a way to control it? They sat there and they let me ask all my questions. They didn't reply, they didn't have to. When I fell silent, Ramana just gave me a smile and shook her head. She understood what I was going through and I understood what needed to be done. And so we were decided. We needed to shut down the machine. We needed to smash it. But how? The man told us that the government had eventually realized the danger they were in, but it was too late. They had been overthrown, and some rebels had taken control of Tyvork and his machine. Ah, I usually get on well with rebels, the doctor said. I'm one myself. Then he laughed. Actually, now I think about it, so are Ramana and Adric. Should we have some kind of team name, do you think? No, Doctor, Romana replied, but me, I was smiling, because he was right. I wasn't just a stowaway. I wasn't just part of the elite. I wasn't just Adric. I was part of their team. We'll need a body, I announced a bit too loudly, as ever, desperate to impress them. Very good, replied the Doctor with a beaming smile. Which one of us will it be? Romana, would you like to die today? Romana shrugged. If I must, she said casually, as if dying was something she did every day. Suddenly a voice cried out, I'll do it! It was me, surprising everyone, including myself. You've both been doing this a lot longer than me, and... I trailed off. Adric? Romana asked. I'm just... I don't want to mess it up. Not again. They both looked strangely proud. I realize now that that was probably the first time in my life I'd ever shown any kind of humility. It comes to us all as we grow up, I suppose. But I'd always been so desperate to impress people. I'd always been showing off and telling people how clever I was. Looking back, I must have been a real pain in the posterior. But... I'd realized how dangerous this situation was, and I knew they'd be better at dealing with it than I would. I think I knew, even then, that the universe needed them more than it needed me. And if something went wrong, they'd have more chance of escaping if neither of them were trapped in some strange machine. I don't know. Maybe it was all those reasons, or maybe it was something else. I don't just somehow felt right for me to be dead. So that's what we did. We left the man and the girl, with him promising the doctor he'd look after her, and we went into the town. It was hell. Hundreds, thousands of people, more people than I've ever seen in my life, living, reborn, carrying the dead, all desperate, stampeding towards Tyvork's house. And then there were the rioters clashing with the desperate. 
The doctor carried me in his arms and Romana followed us. They were my grieving parents and I was their dead son. With my eyes closed, I wasn't sure how the doctor got us through the crowds as quickly as he did, but somehow he got us to Tyvalk's house. Romana knocked on the door and a man opened it. Others tried to force past us and the man, but somehow, despite carrying me, the doctor was able to stop them and persuade the rebel to let us in. It was surprisingly quiet inside. The doctor and Romana put on a good show of begging the man to bring me back to life. The man led us through to a room and I heard another man speak. Please, I need to sleep. Dr. Tyvork, I presume, said the doctor. I heard the man who had led us in stride over to Tyvork and slap him hard across the face. You'll do as you're told, he snarled. I felt the doctor's grip on me tighten. He hated violence. Then I suddenly felt him striding over to the two men, and then I was swinging through the air, and my feet connected with something. As the man fell to the floor with a thud, I realised it had been his head. So, correction, the doctor hated unnecessary violence. He told me I could open my eyes as he set me down on the floor. I could finally see the room in which the dead came back to life. I could see the machine. A few control panels were dotted around the room, but all I could look at was the... Well, it was like a large glass coffin. Beautiful, actually. Simple and elegant. Who are you people? asked Tyvork. The doctor explained that we were alien travellers. Tyvork was surprised about who we were, but not about our existence. The doctor said that the universe was lucky we were the aliens who had arrived here. Imagine another alien lands and discovers what you've done. He tells his people, but others overhear. Word spreads across E-space and into N-space. The whole universe descending on your world to bring back their dead. Tyvork started to cry. I just wanted to bring her back. There's always a price to pay, the doctor replied rather harshly, I thought. This is all well and good, said Romana, but shouldn't we get on with shutting it down? There was silence as Tyvork slowly shook his head. We all stared at him. I've tried to shut it down. I've really tried, but it's alive. We all looked at the machine. Maybe it was just our reflection staring back at us, but I swear it was watching us. It's taken something from the people it's brought back. It's, it's taken something from all of them, and now it's alive. It won't shut down. Well, said the doctor, I imagine we'll have to talk to it then. Me and Tyvork just watched as he and Romana went over to the machine. As they examined it, I spoke to the older man. I told him how I understood what he had done and how I wished my brother was here. I asked him how the machine worked. He smiled and said I wouldn't understand, which actually made me smile. I asked him again and he told me. And I did understand. I told you I was clever. We were both laughing about this when the Doctor and Romana rejoined us. And that's when we stopped laughing. I could see on their faces, even before they spoke, that this was serious. They told us that the only way they could possibly shut it down was to step inside and communicate with it directly. 
I'd seen them do so many brilliant things before that at first I didn't really understand. I started to understand, though, when they asked Tyvork to look after me. I started to protest as they returned to the machine. Romana gave the doctor a kiss on the cheek and took his hand as they stepped inside. I watched them through the glass. They smiled at me, but I could see the fear in their eyes. I heard Romana say that if anything went wrong, at least she'd never have to go back to Gallifrey. And that's when I really understood. That's when I realized what was going to happen. They thought they were going to die. They knew they were going to die. I started to scream and hammer on the glass with my fists, but the doctor suddenly just called out my name, just my name. But it was so commanding that I just stopped. I stopped and stared in silence. His voice sounded, muffled through the glass. Adric, we need to do this. If the dead don't stay dead, then the universe will end. Romana smiled at me. Oh, Adric, you're going to be so brilliant. Do you know who you remind me of? I shook my head. A young man who broke the rules? A young man who fled his privileged existence so he could see the universe and change things for the better? So you see, continued the doctor, I won't really be gone. You're here. I stared at them. I'd never felt so young, so hopeless, so stupid. I couldn't understand how this was happening. We had just landed there. We'd just been looking for a way back to their universe. And now this? One more thing, said the doctor. Stop saying past the sodium chloride. It wasn't funny when I said it at your age either. His voice fell to a whisper. Nobody likes a show-off. Then he raised his arms dramatically into the air. Who's showing off now, Doctor? asked Romana. He grinned at her and she grinned back. Let's save the universe! Then their heads fell back and they went silent. Silently mouthing equations into the machine. Their bodies began to shake. The machine began to shake. I stared in total horror, Tyvor coming over and putting an arm on my shoulder, trying to turn me away, trying to stop me watching as my friends, my heroes, my best friends. They became the machine, and the machine broke. They didn't scream. I remember that. They didn't scream. They were in so much pain, but they knew. They knew they were saving all of us. I stared down at their broken bodies. Their minds had been burnt out entirely. Their hearts had stopped. They were gone. I was numb. I wanted to punch Tyvor, kill him, but I couldn't move. I didn't move for hours. I just sat there, staring at their bodies. 
The first two people to die on Viridis in months. It wasn't fair. It was wrong. That night, Tyvork returned with some friends, including his son and daughter-in-law. They brought me some water and some food, and I drank it and I ate it, and I didn't feel anything. My parents, Vash, and now my two best friends. I was so young, and yet all I knew was death. I slept there at their feet that night. The following morning they said that we should bury the doctor and Romana. I still didn't cry. I'm not sure I really believed it. Instead, I just left them. I walked out. I walked out of the town and I returned to the TARDIS. The doors opened for me. Canine had operated it from the inside. I stepped into that cold, white control room and it was as if it knew. It was as if the TARDIS knew. The lights were dimming and there was the sound of dripping water as if ice. Somewhere there was ice and it was melting. K-9 was in the control room and he knew. He told me that the TARDIS was dying and that, that meant the doctor, master, was dead. I told him what had happened, and his head bowed. That was when I cried. I fell to the floor, and I wrapped my arms around his neck. He was just a robot, but he was... I didn't know what was real and what wasn't anymore. Was he really upset, or was he just a machine? I don't know. But I cried, and I cried as I hugged him on the TARDIS floor. For weeks I didn't leave the TARDIS. People came to see us, Tyvork, even Assen, but I didn't speak to them. I tried the controls, but they weren't working. I was trapped here. After about three weeks, the food machine stopped working. I'd also noticed cracks appearing in the walls. The roundels were splintering like broken glass. The TARDIS was dying. I had no choice. I had to leave. Everyone was very kind. They all offered me rooms in their homes, but I said no. And then they offered me my own house outside of the town, and I said yes. Canine and I moved in, taking what we could from the TARDIS. Pictures and crystals and just rubbish, really. I didn't want to forget the Doctor and Romana. I couldn't forget them, not after what they had done. I remember my last visit to the TARDIS. It was almost completely gone. Room after room had just disappeared, taking what remained of my old life with it. And then, one day, it was gone. Months passed. I lived quietly. Canine stayed with me, but his energy levels were slowly fading. He's over in the corner now. Couldn't bear to get rid of him. 
Months passed. I occasionally went into town to swap some of the food that I grew for other necessities. People knew who I was. Some tried to talk to me. Most were too ashamed. Viridis had returned to normal, the population dwindling to a more manageable level. People died, and they stayed dead. Months passed. I continued to live my quiet life. I'd salvaged books from the TARDIS library and I spent my days reading them. Alone. Days and weeks and months passed and I spoke to no one, not even K-9. If I didn't get to know people, I wouldn't have to cope with their inevitable deaths. Because that's what I'd realised. If I loved someone, they died. Months passed. Maybe years. I don't know, I lost count of the days. And then, one day, it was sunny, I remember. One day, I was in town visiting the market and a voice called my name. It was Asen. She came over to me and asked how I was. And for the first time, I stopped and I answered. She, too, felt like an outcast. Nobody had ever really forgiven her for what Tyvor had done. It wasn't her fault, but then... It wasn't my fault that people I loved died. She asked if maybe I'd like to go for a drink. You know, to talk. To grieve. Tyvor had died a few weeks before, and... She just wanted to talk. Well... We didn't just talk. I probably shouldn't be telling you this, but we drank a lot. We got gloriously drunk. We sat in that tavern and we drank and we cried and we drank and we laughed and we stole a bottle of beer each and we went to the Doctor and Romana's graves and we drank a toast to them. And I told her all about them and she... Suddenly she kissed me, just like that, on the lips. My first kiss, her first kiss. The girl who should have been dead and the boy whose life had always been death. Well, you know what happened. We started to see each other more and more. Not straight away, when I woke up the next morning I felt guilty as if I'd done something wrong. But eventually she persuaded me to come into town and see her again. And eventually, we didn't just get drunk, we had dinner first. And we kissed again. And eventually... <laughs> well, eventually, we got married. Being with her, I didn't want to stay. I, I felt ready to move into the town, to become... Part of society, I suppose. I felt ready to live. Months passed, and we made friends. Months passed, and we made children. Our son and daughter, Varsh and Nigat. Oh, and they were fantastic. 
if not hugely well-behaved. I think they inherited their father's rebellious nature. Months passed. Years passed. I studied again, became a doctor. I realised I wanted to change things for the better, like my hero, like my best friend had done. And when the kids were grown up, me and Asun travelled. We saw everything on Viridis. And I helped people, not just as a doctor, but doing the things I'd learned from my doctor and Romana. Me and Asun, we put things right. Years passed. Vaj had a son of his own, and I was a grandfather. Me, daft little Adric, the grandfather. Nigat, she never wanted children. You know, Nigat. Why would I want some ugly little brat following me about? Her mum was so disappointed, but also secretly very proud. Her mum. My wife. A couple of years ago, Asen died. I was by her side when it happened, and I held her hand, and her whole family were there, her children, her grandchild, and her husband, and she thanked me. She thanked me for giving her a full life. When she'd fallen ill a few months before, she'd made me promise not to stay alone, to find someone. She made me promise. It made me promise I, I wouldn't be that withdrawn, broken boy she'd met all those years before. And I did find someone. Reback. He loves me. I love him. And he loves you. And he loves playing with you when your mum and dad are busy building their crazy rocket thing. And it's been good. I've had a full life. But... There's this one thing I've never told you. I've never told anyone. Ever since Asen, your gran, ever since she died, I've had these dreams. Dreams of a blackness swallowing up the sky. Of a man laughing. He's laughing as he makes the sky eat worlds. And there are two... girls... One dressed in the most glorious purple dress, and the other, she's in velvet, dark red velvet. And they're dancing, dancing as the blackness swallows everything. And they're crying. They're dancing and they're crying because something is missing. Someone. The universe is broken because something went wrong. You know your grandfather's clever, right? <laughs> so clever. Always have been. Too clever for my own good. And I've worked it out. You see, I've got these crystals from the TARDIS. Green, like everything else here. And I know how Tyvalk made his machine work. And I know... I know that the Doctor and Romana shouldn't have died. It's not just the dreams, it's... The universe needs the Doctor. And so, I've worked it out. And that's why I haven't seen much of you recently. <laughs> <laughs>
I've made a machine of my own. A time machine. And you know what I really want to do? I want you and me to go anywhere in time and space. Dr. Adric and his grandson. But I can't. Because I have to go back. It's time. It's time for me to put it right. To find a way to save them. <laughs> I can hear Romana telling me how it's against the rules and that I'm a stupid boy. But I can hear the doctor telling me that the rules were made to be broken. I can hear them because they're alive. They stay alive in me. The doctor and Romana, they're not just names, they're alive. So, I don't know what'll happen. I hope you'll still be here, and I hope Reback will still be here, and your mum and your dad and their space programme, and your auntie, and I hope you'll all still be here when I change things. I don't know, because of course that's the irony. If this works, if this contraption of crystals and maths and dreams works, I'll never know if I was right. But I know one thing. I've had such a full life, and it has been. I'm in the machine now. There's this fog. A mist. Mist. <laughs> when mistfall comes, the sun is swallowed whole. By skyborne darkness, the world turns to 